Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those who might be joining us for the first time, we're speaking, of course, with musicians whose parents made it big in the music industry, or those artists who started playing and making music when they were still very young. For these young, talented artists, making music is often as natural as breathing. Today's guests fit in that second category. They were both exposed to music when they were toddlers and showed an affinity for the craft that is clearly seen in the beautiful harmonies they display in their music today. We'll learn how this duo met, we'll hear about how and when they started making and writing music together. They're a team definitely starting to get noticed and a band on the rise. We'll find out a little bit more about them in a moment. But first, I'm Brad Newman, the producer of this series, and today I'll be doing a little double duty, taking on the hosting chores for what should be a very interesting episode, one filled with some pain and sacrifice and a ton of live music. We're bringing this to you from our podcast studios in Midtown Manhattan. Rick Buser is our engineer. So today in the studio with me, we have two up-and-coming musicians that grew up in the same town, Waxahachie, Texas. Am I am I pronouncing that correctly? <laughs> Waxahachie. Wa- wa- Waxahachie. There, there you, you go. go. It's a little town just south of Dallas. Their, their grandparents went to high school together. Their parents double-dated when they first got married. And these two have wound up tethered together in a band that some have described as country with a rock and roll edge. Their new single, Hey Whiskey, from their self-titled first album, is causing a stir on satellite radio, where the ballad is getting considerable airtime. Known for their easy harmonies, we want to welcome Smithfield, Trey Smith, and Jennifer Fiedler to the podcast. Thank you, Brad, for having us. This is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, You know, so you obviously took your your last names to form this band, and it is Fiedler. Am I I saying that correctly? Well, so my whole life, it's spelled Fiedler, but everybody's always said Jennifer Fielder. So that's where Smithfield comes from, is Trey Smith, Jennifer mm-hmm. Fielder is what I go by. Oh. Yeah. Because, see, I noticed when I was doing research, on, I have never read so many articles where your name is being spelled and butchered. Yeah, as it goes. <laughs> all the time. And they mix you guys up, too. Yeah. I mean, they'll, 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 they'll talk, use your name and describe you as a her, and vice versa. Like, it is crazy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. We get like, you're Trey Smithfield, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we got that out of the way. Um, let's let's talk about your individual music influences growing up, um, because you know you were friends. Yeah. You, you guys have known each other forever. Yeah. And um, how did you first meet? Is it is it true that a cousin tried to maybe set you up? It's very true. Uh, our families did New Year's Eve parties and Fourth of July parties every year, and so when we were when I was 10 and Trey was 12, his cousin tried to get us to kiss at midnight <laughs> when we were little kids. But Trey chickened out, and it never happened. It's not happened. true, actually. Um, yeah. my, my, my dad kind of like, at midnight, he was like, hey, hold on there, lover boy. <laughs> like, Slowed you put down. A, put his hand on my shoulder, and I was like, man, dad. Dad. <laughs> yeah, but that's how we both remember first meeting as kids. Uh, that's so sweet. Um, but you you had some strong, both of you had very different music influences. Let's start with you, Jennifer. Tell me a little bit about how you, you know, got introduced to music and what kinds of 
things you were doing at such a young age? Yeah, my family um, always took me to country music shows in Texas. And in every small town, we have like the Waxahachie Opry, the Red Oak Opry, the Dallas Opry. And so that's what we would do as a family on the weekends was go see these shows. And I remember being nine years old, going to Johnny High's Country Music Review in Arlington, Mm -hmm. Texas, where Leanne Rimes grew up singing. And I saw her as a little girl. And I just remember telling my mom, like, that's what I want to do when I grow up. You know, and so when I was old enough to audition for that show, Leanne Rhymes' godmother was my judge mm. to be on it, and they they chose me, and I sang on that show from the age of nine till I was like twenty. I sang mm-hmm. on it my whole life, and that's what I grew up doing. Wow! Give give us a sense of the kind of covers that you might have done back then. Give us a little taste. All right, all right. A little taste. A little taste. Trey, you want to help me out? I think I know which one. <laughs> Little Patsy Cline, maybe? I know that she was an idol of yours. She, uh, this song actually was the first song I ever sang on stage. It's called Crazy. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. Crazy for feeling so blue And I knew that you loved me as long as you wanted And then someday you leave me for somebody new Such a pure tone. <laughs> Thank you. You really sound great on that. Thank you. Mm. Um, so, Trey, you couldn't have been more different. Here she is, nine years old. She's out there, you know, singing her heart out in front of all these audience. What uh, are you doing around this time? Uh, I'm up in my bedroom with my door closed and hoping nobody <laughs> hears me. But, yeah, uh, I, was, I was kind of a closet singer for a long time. And, and do you think that was because, you know, you were just embarrassed? You weren't, because you've got to, I mean, and we're going to hear folks in a second, an amazing voice as well. Um, what do you think made you shy or embarrassed about? I don't know. I was always kind of a shy, like, quieter kid. And uh, just kind of introverted person. So I just stayed up in my room. And I was kind of afraid to let anybody hear me because I was afraid it wasn't good. Because I feel like you can think you're really good, and your parents can tell you you're really good. Mm-hmm. 
But until somebody else tells you you're really good, you have the secret fear that you're going to put it out there and they're going to shoot it down. So that was just kind of my childhood. So you're up there. You're you're doing some goo goo dolls up there, right? Yeah, that was my that was my jam. Late <laughs> '90s goo goo dolls. I still want to meet Johnny Resnick one day. I really he's like the guy that inspired me to start writing music. So, all right, let's hear a little. Ooh, okay. I haven't done this in a long time, so you gotta excuse me here, but. Could you whisper in my ear the things you wanna feel? give you anything to feel it coming do you wake up on your own you wanna where you are and live with all your faults i wanna wake up where you are i won't see anything at all so why don't you decide yes side Yeah, I knew anything you ever dreamed to be complete Little pieces of nothing that fall Oh man, put your arms around me What you feel is what you are, what you are is beautiful Oh man, you say you wanna get married, run away It's neat. It's it's nice watching you watch him sing that song that he, he, he would have. Is it kind of fun to hear what each other was playing way back then? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's cool to see our influences and, and what inspired us. And now we come together and bring what was what we both love into the table of Smithfield. You know, it's really cool. So, you know, let's let's go a little farther down the story here. Um, you know, y- your families are really tight, but then your family moves away, Trey. You guys mm-hmm. move down to, to Houston, which, um, for people who don't know, is like a couple hours away from Dallas, right? Three hours away? That's a little right. farther? Yeah, yeah, about three, three and a half. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of drift apart a little bit. You end up going to college. You're in a, an, an alt-rock band, right? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens? So uh, Trey's cousin, when they moved off to Houston, instead of going to their family Thanksgiving, they come to my house. And I was sitting at the Thanksgiving table, and Emily says to me, well, Jennifer, I think you and Trey would sound so good together. I've watched y'all grow up singing, you know, your whole lives, and I think that y'all should try and be a duo. And (laughs) to be nice, you know, because he's a family friend, I was like, okay, sure, tell him to reach out to me. And he reaches out to me on Facebook, and I'm like, crap, Mm -hmm. now I really can't say no. Like, he's reaching out. If I say no, I'm going to hear about it from our grandparents or somebody, and the family's going to say something. So I have him over to my college apartment, and uh, he comes over, and, and we sing a Keith Urban song together. And I remember this day because I got chills up my arms when I heard how our voices blended together in our harmonies. And that's what makes us really special and unique. We're we're great separately. I mean, mm-hmm. take that back. We're good separately. We're great together. That's what makes us so special. And I knew that that very first day. What was your take on this whole thing? I mean, you, you know, you really are putting yourself out there. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I had friends growing up that had bands, and, and, you know, it's hard to break up. And it's also when it's hard when you do break up with a band from 
the small knowledge I know of it, you usually don't want to put yourself out there, you know, pretty soon. You kind of lick in your yeah. wounds for a while. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. For me, it was uh, kind of the same thing right off the bat. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for good harmonies. I love harmony. And so when we started singing together that day and figured out all the different ways we could blend our voices, I just was kind of giddy for a little bit there and just excited about it. And I knew it was something we needed to pursue. Let's hear a little bit of that that song. Take us back to that moment. Sing that Keith Urban song for us. First song Smithfield ever sang. Let's see. Bringing us back here. (laughs) I got no money in my pockets. I got a hole in my jeans. I had a job and I lost it. But it won't get to me Cause I'm riding with my baby And it's a brand new day We're on the wheels of an angel Flying away And the sun is shining And this road keeps winding Through the pretty Georgia to Tennessee Got the one I love beside me My troubles behind me I'm alive and I'm free Who wouldn't want to be me? Mm, why? You sound amazing. Thank you. Uh, so give us a, a, a little insight. Let's lift the veil a little bit on this harmony. Let's talk harmony a little bit. I mean, is it something that you can learn? Is it is it like comedy? Is it something that's innate and something you can't teach? Well, this is what's cool. It's it's pretty innate for Trey. Like, he just naturally can hear any harmony on any song. For me, it was a lot more difficult growing up singing solo. I never had to think about you know, harmonizing with somebody else. So I remember the first time we sang together, I was like, oh, I don't know harmony. I can't, I can't harmonize. Well, it was funny. She would know the harmony on songs that she knew. So like yeah. we tried to sing in a Lady Antebellum song and since once that she had heard so many times, she already knew the harmony part. But it's just because she had heard the song so many times. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, I, I can hear it naturally on some songs, but on others, I have to learn them. And mm-hmm. once I learn them and I know them, I got it. Uh, we had Sarah Evans on, and she was describing it as sort of birds that in flight that sign of surround each other and kind of know exactly where the other one's going. Oh. Um, and she sings with her sister, mm-hmm. um, and it was something. Um, can you give us another maybe quick example of just some harmony? And, and Because the other special quality that you have is blending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really does. It, it is hard. I mean, obviously, to, you know, a man and a female, you can kind of figure out what's going on there. But sure. it's it still, yeah. it, it really is uh, beautifully mixed. Thank you. We kind of cancel out each other's weaknesses. Because if you hear Trey's voice, it's it's more raspy and very strong. Um, it's got a very strong, loud presence. Mine is more soft, but I have... Uh, he describes it as tone tone yeah like what Mm -hmm. you just said so when you hear us together he kind of makes you know me more strong and i kind of make his tone better better (laughs) we're playing uh fill in the blank today yeah yeah thanks (laughs) so can you give me another example of maybe some harmony that we can hear real quick that really shows off um you know how you do it and what makes you special 
Yeah. What do you want to do? I don't know, Trey. Surprise me. See. Surprise you. You want to just go for it? Let's just go Let's for see. it. I'm a dead man walking here. That's the least of all my fears. Not Alabama clay gives my trembling hands away. Ooh, please forgive me, Father. Ain't going down to Barton Hollow, devil gonna follow me where I go. Won't do me no good washing in the river. Can't no preacher man save my soul. Amazing. So obviously you knew you had something special, and five years ago you moved to Nashville, um, which was a huge step. Um, and you're not the only ones that kind of get that idea on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> I, I love the town, and we've been there a lot with the with the series here. Um, I think at one point last summer somebody told me there were 120 people that move there every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they're not all musicians. <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully. Um, but you, you begin to figure out who you are as a duo. Um, you know, you, you just shared one of the early songs that you did, but it's a real community there. Talk about this songwriting community there and the kind of, you know, what, what do you do when you're an artist from Texas landing in Nashville for the first time and you're one of thousands that, you know, want to do this for a living? Yeah. I think we still have a picture of us staying on the back of our U-Haul. I believe so. We shared a U-Haul to move to Nashville, and uh, you know had the, like the dads driving and stuff and all that kind of thing. And uh, just pulling up that day, just you know going over that hill and seeing Nashville and stuff. I, I don't know. You kind of have this moment of like, wow, we're we're really doing this. Like we have all our stuff. We're here until it either works or it doesn't. And uh, very humbling experience. I think my my crazy moment was leaving my parents at the airport. And I know that sounds weird, but like. When they got out and left for the first time in my mind, I thought, wow, you know, because up until then it could be a vacation or something. Like, the family's there, you're having fun. But when they left and took off, I was like, I'm, I'm here, and it's either going to work or it's not. And I'm kind of putting all, you know, betting all my chips on this. So it's it's a very scary yet humbling experience knowing that you're just, you're there. Yeah, to answer your question, though, about the songwriting community and, and kind of where we started once we did get there, um, co-writing. Trey and I, you know, wrote together, just me and him, for a year before we moved. And we would make trips for a year back and forth, uh, writing and kind of uh, getting our feet wet in the Nashville scene. But Mm -hmm. that's really where we started when we first got there. And that's kind of how we found who we are as artists and what we wanted to say. And, um, you know, we moved there when we were babies. So (laughs) I feel like we kind of grew up in Nashville a little bit and, and found our sound through songwriting. And I'm credit that to the community there 
um, in Nashville. The songwriting community is is really, really special. Yeah. And for people who don't know at home, and I think we've alluded this on the series many times, but let's let's walk people through at home and give them a sense of what this is like. Now, this is how I understand it. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you literally can have a session with someone either in the morning or the afternoon, and you drop by their house or their studio, mm-hmm. and you may have a few things planned or, a, you know, phrasing or a lick, yeah. and you sit there for four hours and you write a song. Wow. Well, you've explained it pretty spot on. <laughs> That's essentially it, yeah. We, I like to come up with a title a lot of times, or just the thought, and if I can, some kind of little, you know, riff or whatever on the guitar. And uh, you always want to be as prepared as possible, just like any job. You know, you want to come in prepared and just sit down and kind of catch up a little bit. And sometimes this song is born out of stories, even just coming in and talking about your day or what you've been doing lately. And um, it's kind of different every time. And depending on the co-writer, it takes on a different life. But, I mean, you walk in and spill your soul out. But. And, and what about, and do you have to pay? Is this something, and I mean, how do you get involved oh. in this? Like, or is it all like, you know, on the hopes of in the next four hours, we're going to write an amazing song together and we'll profit that way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing. If you're in it to make money, that's <laughs> definitely not. At least not quick money. <laughs> not quick money, for sure, yeah. Um, I mean, we met a lot of people through doing uh, writer's rounds in Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we met our friends. That's how we met a lot of co-writers. And then along the way, Trey and I were very fortunate to meet a booking agent uh, at William Morris Endeavor, which is like the largest booking agency in the world. And he kind of took us on as a mentor. He mentored us for a while and introduced us to a lot of publishers. And so those publishers would have us in and Trey and I would play our uh, songs that we had written and, and even cover songs at the time. And they would go, okay, well, I have so-and-so and so-and-so on my roster. I think you guys might write something great together. Mm-hmm. And then they would set us up on co-writes. And so that's kind of how we immersed ourselves in the community. Um, but just being out at different shows and, and mingling, and but also through publishing companies as well. Yeah. So to support yourself during this time, you know, you got to take on part-time jobs. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. We certainly We've did. done a many of that. <laughs> yeah. Give us a sense of that, of, of the struggling artists, of what it takes to really test your, your will and resolve to stay in this. Yeah. You know, we could have gone there and, and worked full-time jobs, but then you don't have the time you need to devote to music. So you know, your window is to the part-time jobs. And so I, my first job was I worked in a gym making smoothies and I actually used to make Jake Owen smoothies like every morning when he was in town, he'd get off his bus and him and his wife would come in there and I would make my smoothie and be like, well, I'm, I'm in music too, you know, and oh, just, sure you are. yeah. And I cleaned bathrooms and, and worked a lot of front desk jobs and we got a record deal early on, which we can talk about later, but um, after we our label had folded, I went back to working part-time jobs, mm. and I worked for Postmates. Have you ever heard of that? Well, so I actually got her into Postmates. I've been working it for a few for a few months, and she yeah. was like, I just can't do the front desk thing anymore. What do you do? And I was like, you can start doing Postmates if you want to. It pays pretty good. It's on your schedule. And But she would make me ride along with her at night. Yeah. She was afraid to do it by herself. So, you know, what is Postmates? It's basically Uber for food. Yeah. So it's a food delivery a service, it. and it's, it's all through your app. So we'd be writing songs in the afternoon, and I'd go work a dinner shift, or I would work that morning and then go to the right. And Trey did the same thing. We did that for, for a long time. <laughs> 
But then, you know, all this hard work kind of pays off, and a, a few special songs start to, to creep up and, on you, and people start, you know, taking notice. Uh, give us a sense of, of one of those first special songs. Yeah. I think it's probably, we wrote this song um, right before we started working on our first record on our old record label, and uh, it was kind of one of those first songs that we were like, hey, that sounds like a cool direction for us, like we should follow that. So, it's, uh, I mean, the best way I can say it is it's about skinny dipping. <laughs> like, we'll just go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, it's called Nothing But The Night. Got this guitar and a damn good bottle of whiskey. You got that sexy way about you, girl, it gets me thinking about taking you out, watching you shine at the midnight moon, dancing around to a six string sound, driving me crazy with the way you move. So come on, come on, let's get gone. Stars are falling, don't you hear me calling? You kiss your lips, turn me on like a firefly lighting up a July sky. It's up on now where the river bends. I wanna feel you on my skin. We'll find a little spot where the water's right and we can creep on in where nothing but the night. Creep on in where nothing but the night. You're listening to Children of Song. I'm Brad Newman, and my guests today are the singer-songwriters Trey Smith and Jennifer Fiedler, who make up the duo Smithfield. Um, let's let's talk now about that label. I mean, you, you're you're working and you get noticed, and all of a sudden, it's your big break. It's gonna lead. This is gonna lead to the first album. So we thought. So we thought oh yeah. man, you quit your jobs. Yeah, we did. You oh, know, we were... no more Postmates. Cloud nine, man. That was awesome. <laughs> and what what happened? Yeah, we uh, were on this label for almost a year. And it was a record development deal. And so we had a year to basically write the record and get ready to go to country radio, which is what every artist in, in our genre strives to get to. And three months before our radio tour was about to start, our label, an investor pulled out of it and it just completely folded. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we had a publishing deal as well with them. So that was kind of our income had went away as well. So that that stung. That hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. What did your parents think? I mean, was it at that moment, did you ever get a call from home and say, hey, listen, guys, it was a great run. Come back. Come back home and get a real job and let's, you know. I mean, <laughs> um, you know. Yeah. I don't think I ever did. You know, my my dad uh, talked to me shortly after that, and he he was just like, you know, this is what they talk about, you know, it's, they say it's a 10-year town, and he's like, you're going to go through a lot of ups and downs, and, you know, you're young, just keep going and keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah, my parents were the same way. They're, they've always been supportive of me doing music, and, you know, we were fortunate to, to get a label deal early on, and they just thought, you know, hey, this is too soon for you to give up on your dream. And if you guys did it once, then you're going to do it again. And so Trey and I um, decided to, instead of move back to Texas, we said we're going to figure out a way to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. How did you do that? This is actually 
<laughs> we're getting real today. Um, Trey and I had to pull out a loan, and that was probably the scariest thing we had ever done in our lives. We were very young, and uh, I remember shaking signing that loan paper. But that's when it really gets down to like, how much do you really believe in this? Yeah, you know, and yourself because. Those are the decisions that can either really make you successful or really backfire. Yeah. Well, first we did a Kickstarter campaign, and our fans helped us raise the money to do our record. Mm -hmm. But then you got to think, all right, well, we have this great record and this great piece of music. How do we get it to people? Um, And that's when we took out the loan, and and that helped us pay for a music video and helped us pay to get photos done and – and uh, all the things that artists need from from a label, we basically mm-hmm. had to do it ourselves. And it was a good risk because CMT picks up that that video, That's right. yeah, which led to a lot of things for you. That was mm-hmm. the start of it all. Give us a sense. Uh, play play me a, a single from that first album. Yeah. Um, do if I were you. Uh, let's do Good Old Days since that was the first oh, one. That's true. That was the first one. That was the first one we put out independently, and the first one that CMT picked up. Started it all. Someday on a throwback Thursday, post pictures of a feel good Friday. Smile shining like lights on the highway. Meeting you and the crew tonight, tonight. No plans, just going with the flow of it. Laughing loud at the jokes that you don't get. Going out on the town, getting lit, don't quit. Tell me, baby, do you feel it, feel it? The good old days, while the nights we chase down memories. The good old days, while the nights we're gonna miss. Every kiss, every risk, every second we get. So get in, no forgetting, I'll never forget. The good old days. On nights, nights like this. Wow. I tell you, seeing it live, it just, uh, it's amazing. It sounds good on tape, but it sounds better live. That's all I can say. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, give us a sense of that artist. I mean, you struggled, you're going back and forth. Now, all of a sudden, you know, people are, are discovering you. And tell me about that moment because this is always a fun moment for an artist to describe when and where you were the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. We were in my car. I was still in my PJs because the <laughs> XM had told us what time it was going to premiere. And we both got in the car and, and I cried <laughs> because I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that that we were hearing ourselves on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I was able to be in my car and turn up the dial to our song. Yeah. yeah, it was a cool moment. It's I got really to watch cool her cry. Moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This leads to the Opry, um, which is, you know, it's a real milestone, right? I mean, yeah. for if you're a country mm-hmm. musician, that, that this is this is it, right? How did you describe it? I've heard you describe playing at the Opry for the first time. Um, it was pretty surreal for me. And, and as we talked about earlier, growing up doing all kinds of Opry's in Texas, it was like, <laughs> I always say it's the Super Bowl of the Opry's because it's the actual Grand Ole Opry. So growing up doing all these shows that were modeled after that and then to actually do quote-unquote, the real thing, the real Mm -hmm. deal. Um, It's very surreal. And, uh, you know, five years for eight minutes. That's what I always say, you know. Five Mm -hmm. years of hard work, 
lots of tears, lots of struggles, yeah. and to walk in a circle for, for eight and a half minutes. But it was one of the best experiences of, of my life, and, I, you know, I think Trey would say the same thing. Yeah, uh, we were uh, we were talking to Larry Gallon a few weeks before that, and we were telling him we were going to make our debut, and he said, man, he was just like, just don't make the same mistake I did. And I was like, well, what would you do? And he's like, I just I could not even tell you any memory of, like, my debut, like being on stage or anything like that. He's like, I don't feel like I enjoyed it. So he's like, when you go out there, just, like, take your time, breathe, look around, look at the audience, look at the stage, look at the band, like, really take it in because you're not going to ever remember those eight minutes if you don't. Yeah. It's great advice. But give us a sense of um, what it was like there that night. Can you play something for us? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, we could definitely do one. What do you think? If I were you? If I were you. Wish I could say that I'm happy she's happy there in your arms. Wish I could smile at her smiling instead of falling apart. Never thought that I would be jealous until you got what I had. Never would have let it go if I don't have it. I'd want it back. Ooh, I'm acting like I don't care. Ooh, but you've got a good one there. If I were you, I wouldn't let her go easy Tell her she's beautiful until she believes me Kiss her like I'm never gonna quit And love her better than the last guy did If I were you, I'd be holding her closer Tell her she's the one I'll never get over I'd do all the things I didn't do If I were you So you've written like 250 songs together. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, you're getting in your 10,000 hours. You know about that rule, right? Yeah. you got to put 10,000 hours to become really an expert at it. we got to be getting close. <laughs> if we're not already there, we got to be getting close. So what are you working on next, and how do you fit all of this songwriting on the road? Because that's, that's part of the evils of this business, isn't it? You can't just yeah. stay in Nashville at a certain point. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make it, you've got to get out to the people. Yeah, this past year was actually the first time we had toured very heavily we did over 120 dates on the road and you know before that it was Trey and I were just playing riders rounds in town and riding and in these little bitty you know rooms and so to be out to the people and and see people sing your songs back on the road has been a really awesome experience Mm -hmm. however it's a lot harder to write as much as we were like you were saying before so we're I think we're still trying to figure out that balance and what that's going to look like um, this year, going on a radio tour and touring and still trying to write, it's it's been a little difficult. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, but like you said, it's the expectation to always be coming out with something new and what's next, what's next. And I will say one of our things we always talk about is, like, that's what we always ask ourselves, too, because we don't enjoy the moments enough. We feel like it's like something cool happens and you celebrate it for two seconds and then you're like, well, what, what's next, what's next, what's next? So we're trying to get better at enjoying those moments more and just taking them for what they are and worrying about what's next after we celebrate. Yeah. Um, but uh, but we definitely <laughs> we definitely still ask ourselves that question a lot, and uh, we've been working on some new music, and we're really excited about it. It's kind of an evolution of what we do, and but it still stays true to those harmonies and that blend that we try to accentuate in everything we we uh, we sing. Yeah. yeah. 
2018 is going to be the second album, right? We're going to have something mm-hmm. by the Absolutely. fall. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Can we get a taste of something new that that you're working on? That's a it's yeah. a little more finished than than other things. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do it. We're going to do a song called Still a Few, and why we love this song so much is feel like there's a lot of crazy things going on in our world right now, and we think people uh, need a reminder that there's still good people doing good things every day. So. That's the inspiration for Still a Few. It might seem old-fashioned Swinging on this porch And staring at a million stars Most people just ignore And we scrape out a living Working dawn till dusk And sometimes it feels like this old world is forgotten folks like us. There's still a few cowboys around, still a few train whistle towns, still a few churches with steeples full of good God-fearing people. There's still a few hearts running wild, loving like it's going out of style. There's still a few hmm. Great message there. Thank you. Thank yeah, it'll be a good one. <laughs> um, you know, right now, Hey Whiskey is the song everybody's talking about. That's a good thing. Yeah, this, this <laughs> is an interesting thing. song. I want to hear a little bit about this, and then I want to I want to close up our, you know, this time with you hearing that song. But... Um, you came up with the original lyric, isn't that right, Jennifer? I did, and you know that doesn't always happen. You know, every day is different. Sometimes Trey has the title, sometimes I do. Or, but this particular song I had written down in my phone, and it was "You Only Miss Me After Whiskey." And um, I had a whole different melody. It was like, you only miss me after whiskey. You only want me when I'm gone. And I brought it in, and I was like. Took it to the boys and our buddies Adam and Casey, and they all shot it down. They're like, "We don't need another song in country music about whiskey. Like it's been done before so many times." And you know, and I just I, I'm very stubborn, and I thought, "No, no I, I don't I, believe that." <laughs> I was like, "Let's challenge ourselves to write it differently, then, um, in a way that nobody's ever heard before." And Trey started to play the melody that you hear on the guitar, and. Uh, it kind of convinced the boys a little bit, I think, once they heard the melody. They're like, okay, well, there's something there. And our co-writer said, well, well, what if what if you heard her talk to the actual bottle of whiskey? Like, she's not actually mad at the guy. She's mad at the substance. And you're like, we thought, well, that would be a really cool angle. And so if you didn't know the title of the song uh, and you just heard the first verse, you would think, oh, this guy's cheating on this girl. And um, it's really cool when it hits that chorus, you realize the twist. And uh, I think what's so cool about this is, is it was a true team effort that day. We all challenged ourselves to write something different um, that you'd never heard before. And I think we did a really good job. I, th- I think so, too. I'm really proud of this song. Shall we? Shall we? I 
can tell he's been with you on nights like this and when you come on strong he just can't resist and you don't know all the hell that you put me through and he can't let me go when he's holding you hey whiskey why you gotta make him miss me why's he only call me up when he throws you down wanting me more with every round hey bourbon why you gotta leave him burning and feeling that old he used to have when he was with me Trey Smith, Jennifer Fiedler, they are Smithfield. Look out for them. Come into a venue near you. They're really special, really special people. We hope the best for you guys. Thanks so much for stopping by. This was so much fun. I can't tell you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-Side, Stories from the Road. Here's a chance for us to tell one last story and have a little fun. As we were winding up this episode, Trey told us a fun story about trying to get his band from Michigan out to Bishop, California for a gig they were having the very next day. As you'll see, nothing seems to ever go as planned. So we had to catch these late flights. So our band went ahead of us and they were going to try to catch some flights and they left, but then they got stuck in like Denver and we had a direct flight. So we got straight to California. So at one point in time, like I think every single piece of our band was in a different city in the entire country. So like (laughs) our band was literally spread out all over the country trying to all get to California and they had to like sleep on the floor in the Denver airport and like all this stuff and then get there and drive like four hours to the venue after all of that. And we're just, like, totally rested. We're good. We got straight there, you know, got our coffees and stuff. And they pull up just looking like the most run-down, like, worst experience of your life kind of people. And we're like, all right, guys, now we got to play a 90-minute set. (laughs) But props to them because they took it like champs. Like, they rocked the show. But I can laugh about it now. They would probably hate me for saying it because they had to actually live through it. But uh, it was it's funny now. At the time, we were like, well, crap, we don't have our band. But it was, a, it was an interesting, hard-knock story for us on the road. What I, what I love is hearing young artists like yourselves is, is you can see how much time you put into it. I mean, um, you know, just because the chops are so there. I mean, you you know, especially, I mean, with Hey Whiskey, and it's like, wow. I mean, you're just blowing us away. So props to you for doing the work because it's there. (laughs) I mean, it shows. And it it does allow you to go through a terrible thing. I know that you didn't go through it, but had it been reversed (laughs) and the band was there, you would have been able to get through it, too. I like to think so. I like to think so. We've been through a lot, so. It's been, yeah. But when you do something that you love, it makes it all those things worth it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and the dream, keeping the dream alive. We always talk about, like, you know, what you see on stage is, like, 10% of it. 
and the other 90 percent is is the flights that you know get canceled and the nights you're staying up you know trying to write something or the times you're just doing a little meticulous work or whatever it is. The it's days you lose a record deal. The days you lose a record deal. The days you sign a loan. I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> all that's the 90%. What you see on stage and hear on the radio, that's the 10%. But but it's worth, all the 90% is worth that 10%. Yeah. It makes you appreciate it a whole, whole lot more. So, yeah. Great. Well, thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Coming up next week, Alyssa Bonagura joins us with her famous parents, Kathy Bailey and Mike Bonagura, from the legendary band Bailey and the Boys. It's a fun trip down memory lane with great stories, including a gem about the time Kathy took Alyssa out on tour when she was just a few weeks old. Joining me on this next one is multi-platinum artist Gunnar Nelson. It's the podcast everyone is talking about. Children of Song, the audio series that combines live music with great storytelling. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.